You are listening to listening to listening to listening to First Gen Teachers of Lens. to first gen teacher ones episode 16 just want to give a quick intro segment of the episode this is our episode with our first guest i have brianna who is a secondary english teacher and a creative writing teacher from california so we talk about what it means to be exactly a first gen latinx teacher and even a student so stay tuned it's episode 16 see you all right, so hi everyone. This is First Gen Teacher Lens. I want to welcome you to a special episode where we do have our first guest, and I'm gonna let her introduce herself. All right, so hi. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Brianna, and I am a fourth-year teacher from Southern California, and I teach around like the Inland Empire. And um, what else? Yeah, that's a little bit about me. I am Mexican and Salvadoran. And I'm here to just talk about, you know, my experience as an educator and kind of help anyone out there who, you know, shares some, you know, similar or shares a similar background to, you know, navigate this teacher world um, and get, you know, different resources. So thank you again for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm also Salvadorian for those of you who already don't know that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we're both first gen generation uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, this, this American landscape but I do have five questions for you today in terms of like you know just your background as educator being a first generation like student slash teacher so I'm gonna kick it off with the first question Mm -hmm. which is uh what was your journey as a first generation educator like so like all right just like overview um wow (laughs) like where do I start um so I went to UCR And from there, I got my bachelor's in English. And I always knew I wanted to teach. I for sure wanted to become a kindergarten teacher. I was like really set on that. Um, But, you know, as I took courses and I met different people, I knew that my career would change. Um, But I stuck with my initial plan and I'm glad I did. And from there, um, I ended up applying for the single subject um, teaching credential and master's program also at UCR. And from there, I started working um, in the surrounding area. So um, I've been, I feel like I've been very fortunate to have the experience that I have since I started at a very young age. Um, Even before I graduated with my bachelor's, I was um, subbing in um, like close by to my home. And so that was like, really, really set the tone for the rest of my career and also like my plan for um, entering the profession and which ultimately also helped me uh, figure out that I did not want to stay in um, in, primary education and instead teach at the high school level. Um, So that's what it's been like. It's been a long journey, but I think um, I've been Wow, in K through twelve classrooms since I was maybe like twenty one. 
Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely primary is definitely completely different mm-hmm. than secondary. Like I subbed. Bless their hearts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't do it personally. Like I, I subbed, uh, I think it was kindergarten. Yeah, K, K kindergarten, second mm-hmm. grade, I think third grade one time. And like, you know, because like, as you know, like when you first start out as a mm-hmm. sub, they'll just put you anywhere. Yeah. And like, it was definitely a struggle. So I, I feel that I was just like, I couldn't do like primary education. And I just felt like, all right, middle school or high school is where I'm at. Because at middle mm-hmm. school, you know, they're a little bit more independent than like, you know, K through five. And mm-hmm. then, but they're still at an age where, you know, you can sit down with them and then read a book or just like popcorn read, even with the with high school kids. But definitely like I had the most fun for me was like, definitely between the high school and middle middle school ages so I definitely feel yeah. that like primary I'm sorry shout out to the people <laughs> who do primary because yes. I know like wow. god god bless them especially now like doing like coffee like- on me no seriously I I always dreamt of being a kindergarten teacher and I did get the opportunity in a long-term like subbing assignment and it was wonderful um, but I've never felt so exhausted in my life before. It was so tiring. Uh, and the kids were really cute. And I think just the pressure from parents that I think kind of pushed me um, to teach a higher grade. Um, so yeah, just really anxious, just yeah. taking care of the little ones. Um, but I, I did at some point want to um, become a special education teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up just doing single subject because I did have a passion for ELA English and English literature. And I also knew I wanted to continue my education. And I felt like that would be the one where I can still, you know, um, teach students, right. um, but also grow in, you know, my own like personal way and academic way and to pursue something different, but still like in the education realm. Um, so that's what it's been like. Uh, it's been so nice to see the different like schools, the different um, like grade levels interact with so many different educators. And I think that that has been something that I would just never take for granted because it does change, you know, from like one zip code to another, from mm-hmm. one school site, from one grade level, you just get to see so much variety and so many different er- or many areas where you can jump in and, you know, make significant changes for, you know, the betterment of students. I definitely feel that last sentence is for the betterment of students. I mean, that's the name of the game, right? That's where we mm-hmm. joined the educational field. Um, and speaking of which, uh, I'm going to jump into our second question, which is a little bit different than like, I guess it, it fits within like our journeys as like first generation educators, but do you ever feel like when I was developing these questions, I thought, mm-hmm. you know, since we do come from like a similar cultural background, do you ever feel caught between cultural spaces? Yeah, um, I had to think a little bit about this question. Um, like feeling caught, I think that's one of the things that you just can never shut off mm-hmm. um, when you're first gen. And also if you're, you know, Latinx background, Um, There are a lot of different like cultural differences, but also different like values that your home carries that sometimes like the academic world or the professional world don't really have or are not in line. So I think like I always felt torn between, you know, 
my home life, my academic life and my personal life, I feel like I, I struggled so much as, um, you know, an 18 year old all the way up until like, you know, my mid twenties of, um, making all of those like parts of my life kind of sync up. You know, if, if I were to be at home and I, you know, the, the values that I have there and the relationships, it was fine. But if I started talking about, you know, my academic pursuits from like to my parents or to my cousins or, you know, family members, it just felt isolating. Like mm-hmm. there was just so many different like gaps there. Um, but also when I would go to school and be academic and, you know, I, I love school. I love reading. I love mm-hmm. being a student. Um but then also being a student and then you trying to bring in those like personal experiences and like your personal insight and the things you've grown up with, you know, that you take from what you learn from like, you know, your parents and your brother and your sisters and all that. Um, I felt like there wasn't that, m- that much space or value placed on that when I would be like in, in an academic environment. Right. Um, and then personal life. Wow. That's a struggle too, right? Just finding different people that you vibe with mm-hmm. that understand that, that, st- that understand like the duality of, you know, or not even that, but just the different like intersecting parts of like your, your identity. So yeah, I feel that was never ending the getting caught between cultural spaces. And I think that's why I do what I, or what I'm currently doing, I am trying to reach out to different educators and help and provide resources. So you don't feel like you're caught between any of these cultural spaces that you feel better equipped to navigate the spaces and feel confident and to, you know, constantly um, like breaking down barriers and occupying those spaces. Right. I want to hit on something important that I think Mm -hmm. it's in like the gap between when you would talk with your um, family Mm -hmm. and like there's a certain gap between you know where I guess like our parents Mm -hmm. didn't attain the educational pursuits that like we're having and then like you know for me like when I was graduating high school I didn't have any I guess like immediate resource where I could ask my -hmm. parent to be like hey I need help with for example, FAFSA. I saw this TikTok. Yeah. Tell me you're a first-generation student yes. without without saying you're a first-generation student. <laughs> FAFSA, I hate you. <laughs> and then, that was the response. And then, but but in in all in the essence of that video, yeah. I definitely felt that because like I'm struggling and the jargon of FAFSA at the time in terms yeah. of when I was reading it, it was dense. Like for an 18 year old <laughs> or like 19 year old to read like by themselves so what ended up happening for me is thankfully my school um got a FAFSA agent I want to say uh that Mm -hmm. like really helped us and like guide us through it but like again like I definitely felt that's where the the first instance where I remembered I was like all right this is I'm between two different kind of yes I am Linux however you know also Mm -hmm. like a part of this I want to say like a kind of Americanized culture where I'm trying to pursue and break into mm-hmm. the uh the the higher education field where I definitely mm-hmm. felt like caught just just yeah. like it was not a not a good feeling but like you know definitely I agree with you it's a constant space that we're yeah that I, I, I mean feel. 
No, no, no. Totally. I, I did see that meme and the TikTok of <laughs> tell me you're first generation without telling me you were first gen. Um, but no, yeah, definitely. I, I think it always made me feel like incompetent mm-hmm. in so many different ways, um, like translating mail or having to, you know, just learn more of like you know Spanish to be able to like communicate with your parents and and having the patience to do it as well you know as you you know I was you know a teenager in all our hormones and you know our rage um (laughs) um you know trying to finish our homework and explain to our parents in a different language what we're doing and also explain like the context of it all and it just it's it's so different and it can be I feel like I was always like a very frustrated person Mm -hmm. like if you know in my home or going to school just constant frustration because I felt like I just did not understand things fully Mm -hmm. and no matter how hard I worked I just had so many gaps in my knowledge Mm -hmm. Um, and also in doing a lot of the things like that for example like you know, we can talk about other people, we can talk about, you know, white people saying things and hurtful things and um, being discriminatory towards, you know, Latinx people. But, you know, I had some of that where I grew up and I'd be like, Ma, like, it's, I'll say it in English. And it's like, but guess this? Oh, what's that? You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it's this. And, you know, having that frustration where right. we can carry some of the same like sentiments and some of the same, like, I guess, uh, approach. So yeah, again, with the patience and, um, kind of understanding that some of the things that we did were like hurtful mm-hmm. and kind of forgiving yourself for that and then just doing better right. um and you know as an adult too you know now I'm like oh I gotta treat my parents right <laughs> all the time yeah. all the times all that time. you know I said these like hurtful things or I just didn't understand them because school made it seem like they weren't smart enough like my mm-hmm. you know checking the box of like you know what's the highest grade level that your parents you know attained and you know putting down elementary putting down middle school or Mm -hmm. for some people even like high school um you know it just kind of like it does something to you where you're like wait a second like do other peers like not have the same situation like do they parents who are professionals like you know you can't really relate to that and it gets you frustrated and sometimes you take it out on Um, your family members yeah. yeah and so it's a lot of forgiving and it's you know you know, parents are always going to be understanding and forgive their children, or at least in my situation. Um, but things like that, too, where when I'm talking to, um, you know, my my students, something that I have to share and be vulnerable about. And, you know, it's like, hey, like, this was pretty shameful on my part. But it's something that, you know, as a first gen student, like, or person in general, like, you just have to go through. Right. I think that I think you answered kind of a little bit my my next question, which is, uh, have you ever felt the need to work twice as hard as white counterparts? I think you mentioned something, you know, that there are gaps and like in terms of like your peers, like I know for me, I went to a school upstate where it was, I want to say very, very majority Caucasian, and like they're coming from, um, you know, the downstate where I'm at so New York Long Mm -hmm. Island and New York City and like the towns that there were from were obviously more affluent Mm -hmm. and you know town where I'm from uh, there's this misconception that if you're from downstate New York that like you're 
live in a lucrative neighborhood, which is not true due to like redlining and like, you know, drawing up properties and like uh, tactics by, with real estate. Mm-hmm. But did you ever feel the need to work twice as hard as like your white peers, whether it be in like work yeah. or just like in school? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was also thinking a lot about this question too. Um, I wouldn't, oh gosh, I think the, my problem with this one was the word like, like the phrasing, like working twice as hard. I feel like the difficult part of that is, let me backtrack a little bit, um, is the recognition Mm -hmm. and the, I think, I think that is what I struggled with where I, I got good grades and I, I always did well academically and, but I did have to spend a lot of time at home teaching myself and reteaching and reteaching and reteaching and um, finding people around me who would be able to help and have the patience um, to kind of help me through tutoring or anything like that. Um, so I think behind the scenes, yes, I feel like I've had to work extremely hard. Um, but I think like in the actual space, like if I were to be in a classroom or in a staff meeting or you know anything like that professionally, um, it's more about visibility. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've, I've had to take more risks and be more, not calculating, but really like write down my exact words to make sure that nothing is taken out of context mm-hmm. or that um, they understand what I'm actually trying to, to say. And so I think, yeah, I think it would just, it just comes down to that where when it comes to visibility, I can say something and it's like, okay, cool. And, you know, someone who is white um, can say the same thing mm-hmm. and it'd be like, wow, that's a genius idea. Let's go, let's go with that idea. Mm-hmm. So I've had that, I've had that happen a lot. I think um, as like, you know, a teacher of color where, if I were to suggest anything or present new ideas, um, it, whether it be in a casual way um, or it's like a raising my hand and mm-hmm. being like very bold about it, like, hey, I think we should go in this direction. You know, I don't really get a lot of like responses back um, or a lot of, I wouldn't say recognition, but just, you know, at least putting that in the back of their mind and coming to me later and being like, hey, you know, I remember you said this, you know, it's more of like, just kind right. of blend into the background, kind of forget about it. So I, I think that's what I've struggled with. So like in terms of that, just like being acknowledged in this space that is, I say, predominantly dom- dominated. Because like in the educational field, like it's definitely dominated by white women in terms women, of yeah. that in that space. I mean, like for me, I'm like a, I feel like I'm a I'm a double outcast because I'm a male and like a. a Mm-hmm. I'll say a person of color and mm-hmm. like I know for New York City they're trying to change that because yeah. there are initiatives like for my grad school is is part of that initiative the entire city university yeah for uh what's it called uh men teach men, NYC men teach and Ooh. I know they they reached out to me a few times mm-hmm. but like like uh I wasn't sure about like you know connecting with them Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it definitely it shows the need that like you know there is gaps between like in this educational 
sphere that definitely make for me it makes me feel that like I have to like be as you say in inventive or bold and in Mm -hmm. order to get some sort of acknowledgement yeah no so I think yeah it's like have I ever felt like the need to work twice as hard so maybe I'm you know I'm you know I would say I can work the same but when it comes to um changing anything or suggestions or an opinion that's where it's kind of like dismissed like they'll hold the space they'll hear me out but mm-hmm. there there won't be like any additional like dialogue or any follow-up or anything like that and 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 I am generalizing I mean I've had I have built relationships with certain individuals and I know that I can go to them and mm-hmm. I you know the acknowledgement is there um but you know as you said this profession is predominantly white women and I believe it's like close to what 80% it's like something yeah I think it's 80 80%. yeah like 80% white women and you know even within that as you know I'm a female so I do understand how that can work for me um and in the ways it works against me um especially if you do have like admin or board members who are predominantly male and Mm then um you know you you have a long list of issues there. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. And and it's so it's so funny that you brought that up. Um, and it's really cool actually, the NYC men teach, um, because you know, there's a lot of research out there on, you know, when students see someone that looks like them, the benefits mm-hmm. that come with that, and also, you know, um having like a male figure. And I did right. do a research uh paper. Um, back in school, grad school that talked about um, men in the teaching field, especially Mm -hmm. like elementary, primary level that, you know, they don't really have that many like kindergarten, first grade, second grade positions. And then, you know, the long list of reasons why and you know the the stereotyping and the issues that go with that. Um, But yeah, I think it's, you know, good to, to know that, you know, we're understanding of the, the different spaces that we're, we're occupying and the breakdown, right. the demographics, yeah. um, because, you know, for some of us, it is very apparent and obvious mm-hmm. and they really shape the way we work, the relationships we build professionally and, you know, whether or not we want to stay in the profession, mm-hmm. you know, there is a lot of burnout, you know, there are yeah. a lot of different programs reaching out to teachers of color you know, to make sure that the retention levels or percentages are high because it looks like a lot of teachers of color are, are being pushed out. Right. Yeah, I agree. And then I think I, that connects to, I guess, the next question where um, have you ever felt or do you ever feel the pressure of being kind of like that guiding example for students who are Latinx or even in more general terms, like first generation students? Yeah, definitely. Um, I see the pressure in like different ways. Um, One of the ways is that I have to share a lot of like my own personal experiences. So I can't be as private as I would want to be. And you know, like teachers in general, they could be very private, you know, we don't share information with our students. Um, But because a lot of these students like, or at least the students that I have, that are Latinx and, you know, the majority of them are Mexican, you know, there's this like, this pressure that I feel like I have to share like my story. I have to Mm -hmm. share constantly, put myself up in the front of the class and be vulnerable with my students and their parents and tell them like, hey, like, 
this is where my dad came from. This is where my mom came from. Like this, this is my experience. These are the things and the, the obstacles that I've had to overcome. The things that still like as a 20 something year old, I'm still crying about. It's still hurtful and it's still painful. Um, so I do feel a lot of pressure there um, because I do want them to see and have like a good role model and, and look at me as someone who can help them, you know, obtain like their goals and help them find success. But I also want them to understand that um, just because I made it doesn't mean that other students are going to make it as well. Right. You know, like we find good examples and we want to hold on to those good examples. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, not doing the whole, well, if you work hard, you know, whether you're brown or black or, um, you know, you find adversaries like adversities like here or there, you know, you can make it through. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't want yeah. to come like that either, where it's like, hey, like, it's going to be difficult. You're, there are going to be a lot of sacrifices, a lot of times where you're going to feel alone. Um, so, yeah, I do definitely feel the pressure there. Um and it's, you know, sometimes it's good pressure too. It's nice. Yeah, it's you, know, nice. you know, you that's, I think that's when you uh, foster a lot of great relationships with students and their parents, mm-hmm. because now you're like, wow, like I, I can trust you. I can trust that, you know, you're there for my kid in ways that maybe other teachers haven't been there in the past, but it, it is it, it is a lot of pressure. I think my first year, I was like, wow, this is, it's exhausting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it can be very yeah. exhausting, rewarding, but for sure exhausting because now you're sharing a lot of like your private life and right. you, know, you have them opening up to you. And essentially you're kind of opening up yourself to being re-exposed to, to trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that one is hard. And I don't think I've, I've spoken, I've had the conversation with many educators. I know we had a brief um, conversation about, you know, the traumas um, that our families went through in their, in their countries Mm -hmm. and then bringing that over and having, you know, parents who are quiet about what they experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have others who do tell us and explain in detail what happened. And so, yeah, no, that's, that's something else too. When you're sitting in PD (laughs) yeah you're like uh i'm just gonna go to my room now and cry for a little bit i'll be right out (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think you bring up a a good point in terms of um you know being kind there is this sometimes i felt like when i'm my when i was in my first year even now i still Mm -hmm. feel like that like at times like like a lot of the pressure like um making up in my head or conjuring like like as well but but it is there there's a tangible experience where you know like all right I'm kind of breaking this kind of trend where all right my parents weren't able to have access to this education but I do I reach you know I I can go through that checkbox and like check the upper echelon like you know Mm -hmm. degrees as opposed to where previously that wasn't possible and like there there's like something there that like it it makes you feel good but also at the same time you feel like kind of bad in a way because Mm -hmm. like you you your parent your parents wish they could have had that experience but oh my goodness 
yeah, yeah. the guilt the guilt which my uh, mom says all the time like I, if, uh-huh. I, if i had access to school i would yeah. be good, go to culinary school which yeah. is like during her time it was not fathomable because of mm-hmm. you know civil unrest oh my goodness this this topic right here really really does get me um i don't know if you have seen the show lovecraft country or you've heard of it i've heard is it on netflix it's on hbo max i believe okay well i've heard of it but i I can't do any spoilers um but uh yeah like so i'm I'm just gonna just scratch that (laughs) uh go watch it and then maybe we can have a conversation about it later (laughs) on because it's so it's so powerful, mm-hmm. like from a woman's perspective, access to education um, and not feeling small. And this constant idea of like, who would have my mom been if she had the opportunities that I had, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then I see myself achieving so much. And, you know, my mom always cheering me on, always being proud, always making sure that I'm supported. And you still having the conversation of like, oh, wow. That's nice. Yeah. I wish, you know, I wish I could have. And then you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what I don't do know I what do? to say. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, man. No, that definitely is like, you know, well, <laughs> an emotional roller coaster to, you know, constantly feel that. And, and, and I think it's important for us to recognize that as something that we, it's like an ongoing, um, I wouldn't say struggle. Well, yeah, struggle and ongoing struggle or something that we constantly have to think about that when we go to school, there isn't really a place for us to, to talk through that mm-hmm. or different, even like assignments or, you know, so it just really does change. Like now when we ask for a different like essay prompt or we're having different questions or checking in with our students, like now we know that this is something that we can ask that maybe students at an early age right. can get like, you know, a little bit, can we can know that there are people out there that are experiencing like something similar. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. agree with that sentiment, which leads me to my last question. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give first generation uh, students or graduating teachers or teachers mm-hmm. who are in this, I guess, quasi space that I think you and I feel where like we're first generation teachers and like it's like weird because like Mm -hmm. we we made it so to speak as cliche as that sounds (laughs) but like it's definitely feel like that like like I don't know it feels like weird like 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 I made it but like there's it feels like something's missing oh man um I I feel like it it just comes down to allowing yourself to feel joy and allow yourself to to really you know give yourself the opportunity to be proud of yourself um because it 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 can be difficult to constantly think like wow like i made it you know why do i still feel like this like why mm-hmm. do i still feel guilty why what do i do now i think um my advice would be just to continue to be authentic to yourself. I think authenticity is so important. You're going to find different like mentors or read different things, meet different people who are going to tell you like, this is what the teaching world is going to look like. Um, But just, you know, you have something different. You have a Mm -hmm. different perspective, different experience and different background that you may not even find in a textbook 
that you may not find other people being like, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you too. Like, ah, um, you may not find that. So I think just like, as long as you feel like you're being authentic, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's positive or negative, right? If you have negative feelings like guilt and shame and, you know, frustration and lack of patience, like, um, you know, knowing that you're letting yourself feel those things and it's okay to feel those things. Um, but I think just getting yourself involved with like, well, you're already teaching, so you're doing so much, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would just say like, um, making sure that you are, you're helping students break through those barriers mm -hmm. the same way that if we think back to the moments where we had a breakthrough or we found success, there was a teacher there. There was a professor, um, a, a friend, a colleague. There was someone there online um, or in person. There was someone there to help you through that. Right. So I think, you know, just reminding yourself that like, it's okay. Like, it's okay if you're first and just know that you won't be the only one and mm -hmm. to extend that out to the people around you and just look towards your community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think authenticity for me, mm -hmm. like, I struggled with like being, I want to say finding, you know, what they say in like uh, my school teaching, your, mm -hmm. your teacher personality. Mm -hmm. And like, I've, I realized like, I'm a goofy guy. And so like, yeah. I, I like make TikToks, like I'll post them on Google Classroom for my kids. And like, yeah. they were like, uh, they were like laugh at them. And like, like the, uh, the parents give me the same feedback that like, you're mm -hmm. so funny with the kids, but like you also like, mm -hmm. you know, once time to do work, you like get them going. But definitely like kids, I feel like students at, at any age would kind of detect if there's like falsehood in like, the yeah. way you're teaching and like exactly. like I think one one mentor that I had in student teaching was like you know kids are like sharks like so to speak if mm -hmm. you think about it, like you know sharks smell blood they'll go around mm -hmm. the area same thing with kids they'll smell like if you're not being realistic with them so mm -hmm. they won't that they'll reciprocate that kind of same sentiment yeah. which is like I think that's so true for for any teacher or even first generation students like you know you'll be there'll be more to come after you you know there mm -hmm. is that pressure but as long as you keep honing in on like what on your studies and what you want to do mm -hmm. you should be okay at the end of the day yeah for sure no yeah I think I think there's this idea of like you're going to become a teacher and there's like this like teacher like a model that we have to fit mm -hmm. um but it's, yeah, it's finding your teacher personality for sure. Right. And just rooting in and being authentic. And that comes with being transparent with kids and, um, you know, just letting them know that you're there to help them and that you're going to support them in any way that you can. Um, but yeah, they, they can definitely sense that for sure. Right. I always thought I had to be like very serious, <laughs> <laughs> but I also like super goofy like I right. I just laugh so much and I find things to be funny and so you know just it's really really <laughs> it takes you some time you're like you start feeling bad like wait a second am I doing this teacher thing right like am yeah. I supposed to be like this or not supposed to be like that especially when it comes to discipline um right but it's like you know you find that something that you feel comfortable with and, and just stick to it because in the end it's you know it's your classroom with your kids and you you are building a relationship like a person who's not in there 
you're not there creating a relationship with them. Right. And so, yeah, just being authentic. And, um, and the reason why I bring up the word authentic is also because, gosh, imposter syndrome constantly. Oh, yeah. Always yeah. feeling like, who, like, what, what am I doing? Like, am I pretending? Is this, am I putting on a show? Like, what, like, do I deserve all of this? Right. <laughs> am I a phony? So, yeah. and that never really shuts off for me. I mm-hmm. mean, I wish if any of you listening have any <laughs> advice or suggestions, that'd be great because, I mean, I still can't get a good grasp on that. <laughs> I think, I think that was my first episode on like, this podcast mm-hmm. world because like definitely I still to this day like you're saying still struggle with it like am I like I, I feel like I didn't earn uh, these mm-hmm. degrees and like definitely like questioning yourself and like constantly yeah. and like you bringing that in the classroom but definitely like mm-hmm. after a while you know after you get acclimated you know doing this role, like no I definitely earned this like this is where yes. I'm supposed to be but it, it, it it's always at the back of your mind kind mm-hmm. of like a like an evil surprise just <laughs> evil high. surprise yeah <laughs> yeah no no for sure oh, but man. before we go because uh, uh-huh. we're running short on time mm-hmm. where can we reach you can we find you on like what, like any social media platform or yeah so currently i only have instagram mm-hmm. so you can find me at first oh my goodness did i just forget <laughs> <laughs> it's okay so I, was, I had one job <laughs> oh my god like imposter syndrome i was like this is not me <laughs> this is someone else <laughs> but you can find me on instagram at first gen latinx educator it's very very lengthy i may change it in the future but yeah it's at first gen latinx educator and if you look me up on tiktok with the same there goes my dog if you look me up on tiktok you can also find me at first gen latinx educator where i post things that are somewhat teacher related and some are like my art because Mm -hmm. i do like to be crafty and paint and do other things that's awesome yeah but thank you but i just want to say before we go Mm -hmm. thanks so much for being uh on the podcast and being the first guest so mm-hmm. it's quite an accomplishment and then like i hope that we conversate more and i'll see you i guess like we'll be in talks about like you know other things but thank mm-hmm. you so much for being in contact yeah thank you so much this has been great and we need to get more educators on board so if you found anything on here that resonated with you and you would like to you know you know, expand and join the conversation, you know, the more the merrier. And, you know, I really, really, I'm glad that you asked me to be on your podcast. And I feel privileged to be your first guest. Uh, But yeah, community is so important. So I'm just really, really thankful and catch you in the future. Yeah, definitely. And then you can listen Mm -hmm. to this episode on Spotify and link is in the bio for Shen Teacher Lens. And Talk to you guys soon. All right. Bye. Thank you for having listened to the first gen teacher's lens. We'll see you here next time.